handsome ass. <laughs> okay, we, well, I'll just cut in right there. It's a mess. Um, so welcome to uh, New World Brasscast. Um, this is Aaron Campbell, uh, Tony Granados, and I am Amy Bliss. And tonight we are joined uh, by Dr. App- Dr. Brian Appleby Weinberg, uh, head of brass at Roan University and uh, solo cornet of Atlantic Brass Band. Yay. Hi, hey. Brian. Glad <laughs> right. to be here. Yeah, I, we, uh, we just saw each other at uh, Gettysburg. Gettysburg Brass, Brass Band, Band Festival. Festival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how was that? How was that? It was great. Amy's group sounded fantastic. Of course, they always sound fantastic. Well, it's Athena, right? Yeah, it's right. Athena. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked at one point about the was it the full band that played, or was it a was it a small group? No, it was it was we all kind of rotated in, and there was a lot of like twelve piece type things, um, a few like genuine chamber group things, um, and I had my my surprise conducting debut uh we couldn't get the yeah Aaron's like what we couldn't get the um we couldn't get the the we had a whole bunch of retards and then restarts uh that that the group couldn't do and I was the only one not playing on that one and so at a certain point when it started not working they all kind of slowly (laughs) slowly turned towards me and it was like oh man (laughs) so I got one what that was that was for the smaller chamber stuff yeah i got one go at it and um in rehearsal and i screwed it up and they're like well it'll be fine and that was <laughs> and it was from the audience it was fine <laughs> yeah it was Went fine together. it was it was it's just that's how it kind of goes you get you get a you get a run through you get a few comments to fix it you get another run through and ah, we're done we're good i've been yeah, running festivals. into the, that problem with like new chamber music here recently like, so I started a new music group with like clarinet, violin, double bass, tuba euphonium, like me doing either or, and trumpet. And it's really cool, weird instrumentation. It's a lot of fun. But like, the, we'll, we'll commission these like doctoral students and they'll be like, yeah, seven, eight to five, four to nine, eight to seven, two uh, to this. And you're like, we're five people. You know that, right? Like we're just by ourselves. You, you, and if you want this to be played again, I suggest two, four, four, four. Those are great. They work out real good. <laughs> right, right. And I saw it and it was really, it was kind of surreal seeing Atlantic play um, and not being, not being in it, <laughs> oh, yeah. but they did a, they did a great job. I really enjoyed uh, the two of that your performance. students in the UFRO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was totally, I was, I was so excited to see Joe uh, play the duet. I was like, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and they gave uh, you the old Brett Farve. <laughs> uh, and uh, was it Justin? Justin saw me as I was like, like walking towards the, the tent and he did like the, the, like the, the shy, like stick his arm out and kind of like, yeah, that's right. That sounds about right. <laughs> The festival was really good. I mean, the bands all sounded um, great. And uh, I mean, I think, I think Potomac is, you know, super polished already, <laughs> just kind of amazing, but they've all been playing I and mean, they're all pros. So, um, but it was, it was a real treat to hear everybody 
and of course Athena, you know, also all pros, and and so they were they were outstanding. And I think the rest of us are sort of you know sort of hanging on by our fingernails and uh, just glad to be out and uh, back in rehearsals and out performing. Uh, and it was our second our second concert back. So it was a it was a bit nerve wracking to be to be honest, <laughs> but it was a big also second exciting. concert too. Yeah, it was very exciting, and the festival was great. And it was you know beautiful weather out there, so perfect. It's a nice nice setting, and uh, yeah, How it was a great the audience. Idea. Yeah, totally full. You know, big audience, probably as big as I've seen there. Really, yeah. yeah I think, man, my sense is that audiences are are really keen to be back watching live music again. Uh, not all of these virtual performances, which have also been somewhat fun. You'll have to educate it, me. Is it like an outside festival? I haven't been yeah. to Gettysburg before. Yeah. It's at a, there's a Lutheran seminary that was actually like part of the Battle of Gettysburg. Like there's fighting around there. And, uh, and it's like on this ridge. And so you can look down like over the fields and everything from there. And it's just this really kind of peaceful uh, environment. Um, you sit on the, on the lawn and they sell hot dogs and beer and chips and you can just kind of hang out and listen to brass bands all day. It's great. Yeah. It's literally the whole day. It's like from, I think the first band starts at 12 or one. And when did you guys finish at eight or something, seven or something? I think seven. Cause yeah. then everyone rushed out to play taps. Yeah. Cause what is it? I think band. at eight, yep. they go all over the battlefield and everyone plays taps at the same time. Yeah. And everyone plays taps or just cornet players? All, all the, all the cornets and trumpets from the, from the weekend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah is everyone on a click track how do they how do they get that to work i, I don't know i've never stayed that long <laughs> i i think it was i think i think honestly i think it's just like oh it's time and they just, you, they just i think go. they just hear each other a little bit and everyone just kind of goes i don't think it's that organized yeah have you, have you been tony have you been to to gettysburg yeah to actually um I think it was 2017. Um, the the Carolina Gold Drum and Bugle Corps went to Rochester oh, yeah. for the, the DCA championships. And on the way back, we literally drove right past it. It was 6 p.m. or so, and we drove right past Gettysburg. It was like, hey, let's stop. We pulled off and hit Gettysburg at sunset. Oh yeah. And it was the most gorgeous thing ever. <laughs> we got some great pictures. Yeah. It's a really, really, really cool place to visit. Um, you know, and if you hit the timing just right, the, the scenery is brilliant. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing day. And if, if you go into the museum, actually go in the museum and you do the whole tour, it's really informative. I was there a few years ago with um, some friends from England, actually one of the conductors of the bands I played in when I was there, he came over to visit for a couple of weeks with his wife. And so we went, we did the, you know, the day out and um, uh, we took them in the, the museum and in the museum there are a bunch of kiosks and you can get information in the kiosk you, know, you hit the buttons and all this information comes up and one of the things you can click on is the bugle calls and so I click you know being the geek that I am I hit the button and click on the first one I'm like wow, that that sounds pretty familiar and I hit the second one uh, yeah that sounds pretty familiar I hit the third one I'm like okay I take out my phone I called George Rabbi who was at that point my colleague at Rowan um, <laughs> is a jazz trumpet teacher he was Woody's soloist and uh, his amazing jazz soloist, you know, famous 
recordings and all that. And uh, I said, George, is this you on these recordings? He said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so he's actually on, he's on the Ken Burns special, you know, Civil War. I oh, mean, wow. It's the whole, yeah, George is like the real deal. He just retired this past January, but it's his recordings. And he has a book out, Google called Book Out with a, a CD. And um, so I've played taps with him a few times. Um, we did echo taps together. Um, and then I've also asked him to coach me on taps because, you know, go right to the source. Um, yeah. He's also a reenactor. Um, oh, and yeah, he's real particular about how it's supposed to go and, but also very nice coaching, but it goes the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was a kid growing up in Maryland, we, um, I remember going to Gettysburg on a field trip. <clears throat> we were close enough to do that. And back in the, oh, yeah. I guess the early eighties, late seventies, every kid that went through there got a used bullet that has been oh, yeah. found on the yeah. battlefield. So I, I don't have it anymore, but I wish I did because it was, it was really a cool thing. And That's another amazing. interesting thing about that is when I started going to the University of Kentucky, there's a band in Lexington called the Saxons Cornet Band. Yeah, sure. That's a reenactment band. And they were in the filming of the movie Gettysburg. They, they were the, uh, the band that was on the Confederate side, you know, walking down, uh, my friend David Hartung, um, you know, the really tall uh, Bombardano tuba player, you know, a bunch <laughs> of guys that I went to school with were in that, that filming of that. And that was a great experience. I wish, I really wish I could have gotten there early enough to get involved in that, but I never, never got to play with those guys. <laughs> but, um, but man, that was, it was really cool. That every time I watch it, I'm like, I know those guys. And they're <laughs> yeah, all right. film. It was really cool. You know, when you go to Gettysburg, uh, one of my favorite things that that every time I tell someone, uh, they say that they haven't thought of this. So uh, anyone who's listening, uh, you get to Gettysburg, do this. Go to the antique shops. There are lots of antique shops in Gettysburg, and and they're so cool because they're practically like museums, you know, because they have all of oh, yeah. these, like, all of these things from the battle and stuff that they have for sale. Uh, and you can just go through and, and check out all of these. Um, you know, I went and there was like, uh, there were there were letters for sale, like letters between soldiers and, and their families and stuff. And there were um, parts of the uniforms and you could see so much stuff that was really interesting. Uh, so you can go to the museum or you can just go to, you know, the antique shops. And get cool stuff. And get cool stuff and and yeah, it's at, a great you know yeah. it's a great festival yeah. and they do really well and um i think they gave people a little extra money travel money this year to help bands out because it's been so difficult nice. so yeah they treat everybody really well it was fun yeah did this was okay what did the weather hold up okay oh it's fantastic it's beautiful because yeah. so we don't know what you your... experience up there in the great white north down here because we get something completely <laughs> different I had a my my backyard was flooded all of the Fourth of July, and then oh, man. the hurricane was like nothing in comparison. Ugh. My uh, my place back in New Jersey would flood all the time, and uh, it was awful. And it was it was shocking because we 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 disclosed that like the people who bought the house full on knew that we did not hide it. You know, we we disclosed that that it floods several times a year and they bought it. <laughs> well, how, how did you disclose that? Were you like seasonal pool in the backyard? 
<laughs> and they're like that's not a pool that's a river <laughs> no we we said the basement the basement floods and uh and you know uh, precautions have been taken to protect the the appliances well, and and that seems yeah if real estate there is like it is here that doesn't matter right right the whole that whole neighborhood floods it's yeah. you know you say, oh, uh, well, it's cool. Can we still buy it? Yeah, because you can't get a house now. Right, now right, right. That was we were in the beginning of that. We yeah. were we we're in the beginning of that craziness, and we actually bumped up the price that we sold our house for because we were the people in the neighborhood who, who were selling had bumped it up, and they were selling like the first day, and so we we're like, oh, I guess we should bump it up a little bit too. <laughs> we did, and it sold the first day to the first people who looked. It was like That's it was fantastic. you know. The, it went on the market. First people showed up. We got an offer at price, accepted it, done. Wow. Yeah. So, so that so actually, I, I have a question for you all. For yeah. those of you who have owned yeah. homes for a little bit longer, I happen to be one of the fortunate millennials who can purchase their own home. So I am in my first home now. And um, the when we moved in, I had to explain to the group of people, and you guys understand this as, as, as freelancers, all of those cars that are coming and going, and all of those big cases that they're bringing, I swear I'm teaching music in instrument things. <laughs> they are not this, this is not This is not a mob ring or anything <laughs> weird like that. I'm not trading weapons or anything of any of that sort. And now I have new neighbors to do that. Have you guys had to experience any of that uh, awkwardness of like, I swear it's a trombone. <laughs> I, I, so I have, to, I have to, to jump in and say that the first house that we bought, in the one in New Jersey, we bought a house from a band director. Wow, I didn't know. So, that. Yeah. So he, so they were totally used. They, the joke in the neighborhood was like, oh my gosh, we have another musician in that house. They were totally, <laughs> they were ready for it. They, they knew how to live next to a musician. And then here, the one guy came out once and was kind of like, why are you parked in front of my house? And they said, well, we're actually like parked so that, you know, my kid can take lessons from the person over there. And that was it. And nobody cares anymore. That's yeah, I know. Nobody cares around me. I just make sure that if they come in my house, an hour later, they leave my house. And I, <laughs> you know, no, nobody gets stuck here. And, I, you know, but the neighbors here where I'm at, they, you know, I mean, after dozens of years or so, they, you know, they're very fully used to, you know, these big shiny things walking down the driveway. Big shiny things walking down the driveway. No, Tony, you make uh, you have a good point with the whole like making sure they get out because I have a problem of like my parents they like to we have stuff around us and what we really have is a really good taco place, and all of my parents they'll all go to the said taco place, but it's really <laughs> popular so they're in line for a while and they're like I swear we'll be in and out of there really easy and then they'll bring me tacos as like an offering for babysitting their child for fifteen minutes. Well, that sounds great. And they pick them up late, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I teach most of my lessons. I do an hour and, you know, the, the parents try to get, a, you know, a, a food shopping trip in, which usually ends up with me getting, you know, a salad or a pizza, frozen pizza or something, you know, but they're 15 minutes like getting their kid. I'm like, well, you okay hanging out on the porch? I got another kid I got to teach. So, right. <laughs> yeah, if you need anything, just holler, you know, just come on in and, and say something. But, you know, I've experienced that. We're teaching online. Helps a lot. You just <laughs> click. <laughs> Bye. And you just 
<laughs> Time's <laughs> up. <laughs> so, so let's bring this, let's bring this around. There was one thing that I wanted to bring up with, with Brian Appleby Weinberg, who, if I accidentally call AW, that's who I'm talking to. Cause I always call him AW. Uh, I don't remember the last time I called, I called you Brian. Oh, it's been a long time for sure. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, but we were talking, um, I remember a few, a few months ago, was it, I, I saw on your, uh, Instagram post, <laughs> you, you shared a picture. You got in a, a bike accident, didn't you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he shared a picture yeah, of, of, of what he looked like after this biking accident. And, and do you want to take it over? Yeah, it was, there? Um, yeah, it was, uh, we can November. laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, I can laugh about it now. It's November 18th. Um, so COVID gave me a lot of opportunity for change and growth. And um, uh, I had some, I actually had some heart issues. Um, I ran the Philadelphia Marathon fall right before COVID started. And I had some heart issues uh, in the, during the marathon. I still finished it. Um, uh, some heart arrhythmia issues. And so I... Uh, finally confessed to my wife that I had these issues. And so she demanded I do all this testing and go into Philadelphia. And um, we eventually ended up at Penn Med and they did a rather invasive procedure. Um, I had four catheters up one side of my groin and five catheters up the other side. So I had nine catheters in the heart. And the idea was they were gonna do an electrical mapping and they were gonna um, figure out what was misfiring and then they were gonna do an ablation burning off those points. Um, turns out they couldn't repeat any of the arrhythmia. So they ended up just pulling everything back out and stitching me back together and said, you're fine. We think it's transient. Um, but that gave me 10 days off um, because you can't really play if you got these big wounds in your legs, um, these arteries that can open up easily. So I couldn't put any pressure on the, on the, on the system. So I had 10 days off and I decided at the end of the 10 days, I was going to do sort of an embouchure adjustment. Um, and so I did that because I didn't have any playing. I was just here in the basement. I, it was June, so I wasn't teaching. Um, and so I went like that. I was, I sounded pretty bad by the time September got around and school started again, um, but it was close. Uh, by November, I was starting to play above the staff again and I was starting to feel pretty good. And on November 18th, a Wednesday, I was out for my morning bike ride and at 15 miles an hour, a stick hit, um, that point i was riding basically a, a hybrid bike commuter i was i was moving and a stick hit one of the fenders and it crumpled up underneath the front fork and stopped the front of the bike on a dime and i went straight over and essentially i think what i can tell is about 98 percent of the impact was on my face um so i i got a little bit on the front of my helmet there's a little scraped dot on the front of my helmet but basically my face was a disaster i broke my nose i fractured my cheekbone um road rash across the whole face and um and i had a huge gash inside my bottom lip um and what it happened when i did it and i stood up i mean i couldn't believe what was happening you just can't process things that fastly fast um, and i thought from the middle of my bottom lip to my right corner of my bottom lip i thought was gone like that's what it felt like. It had just been ripped off my face. And I, there was a guy walking on the bike path. It's a, um, it's a rails to trails about six and a half miles in length. Um, 
And at that point, that was all I was doing. I was just going out and back. So about 13 miles from the house. Um, and there was a guy walking and I had seen him every Wednesday morning for the whole year of COVID. And, um, and he, he was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I was like, oh my God, I was completely losing my mind. And he had paper towels and he gave me paper towels. And um, he said, uh, and I put them over my mouth. And he said, I, I think you're actually, the problem is your nose. And I was like, I don't care about my nose. It's my chops, my chops. Uh -huh. I called call my wife and um, I called the dean of school because I had lots of stuff going on on a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> at school. I had a whole slew of lessons and a class I managed that's uh, 200 students. And, uh, and, uh, and he called the ambulance. And so the ambulance came and uh, my wife was on her way to work and she turned around to, to meet us at the hospital. She could see me on the iPhone, a find my phone thing. Um, and he just sort of stayed with me until they put me in the ambulance. And then I called Sal, the band director from the ambulance. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna play again, Sal. And we had stuff coming up, even though we were in COVID, the band had just been contracted to play a series of, I think 14, 12 or 14, appearances at the Deptford Mall in small quartets. And I was supposed to play them all. And we were also doing um, our annual um, concert for, who was that for? Oh, we did a concert for Kate, down in Cape May. Um, and it was a smaller group, it wasn't the full band uh, because of spacing and social distance stuff. Um, and I was just like, I'm out, I can't play at all. And I don't know if I'll ever play again. And he said, Sal said, oh, look, I, you're gonna be fine. And he said, when you get home, they're gonna put you back together. You're going to have time off. Don't worry. When you get back home, go on YouTube, find the interview of Bud Herseth and when he ate the steering wheel and find out all about what he went through and you're going to be fine. It will be okay. And so what I did was uh, they stitched me back together at stitches in my nose and uh, it was a Rowan trained Rowan med school. Rowan has two med schools. Um, the only, second university in the country with two med schools. Um, and they're pretty new. They're maybe, I think 10 years old is uh, one of them. Another one's older, but we got it. We, we absorbed it late. And uh, it was a Rowan trained doctor uh, resident. And um, I was asking about, you know, should we get plastic surgeon in? Is it going to be an issue? I'm a brass player. And he's like, look, it's deep and bad. Um, but it's super clean. The edges are fine. I can do the stitches, no problem. You're going to have a scar. There's nothing anybody can do about that. The scar will be deep. The scar tissue will be thick, um, but you're going to be able to come back from it. It's, it's going to heal okay. Um, and then just doing the work of rehabilitation is going to break up the scar tissue eventually. So I took, he said, take two weeks off. Um, my colleagues, I do a, I do a podcast with with two colleagues, uh, 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 Joey Tartell at Indiana University and um, William Stoneman, Bill Stoneman at Masai. Masai. What's that now, podcast called? It's, it's called the, the, the Open Bell. Um, and so- uh, Just wanted to make sure to get that in there. Yep, the Open Bell podcast. Okay. Um, we did 50 episodes <laughs> this past year. Um, and so uh, I've talked to them and and they're like, the doctor said two, year, two, two weeks, we know you're a big enough idiot to require four weeks. So definitely four weeks. And then I've been working with um, Jason Sullivan, who teaches trombone at Troy and has this uh, stability routines, um, the really fantastic weight of muscle development. And so I talked to Jason, he said, you're going to be fine. We're going to put you back together. Don't worry. Um, but I would suggest um, factoring the AW 
uh, stupidity factor and add another week. So I took, um, <laughs> I took five full weeks off. And the first day back um, was uh, the week of Christmas. And I played um, F on the staff. Um, I started F on the staff. I played for, I played for five what did I do? Oh, I played for three seconds on, second seconds, seven seconds off for one minute. I rested for a minute. I played G for the same ratio and I played to C. So I played F to C and I did that set four times. So a five minute set, four times. It's actually a 10 minute set, but only five minutes of playing. Four times a day. And then Jason said, you have to be, it has to be at least um, three or four hours separating the, um, the, the sets. So I spaced them all out. So I was doing one super early and then one midday and then one in the afternoon and then one at night. Um, and I just did that sort of religiously for about a week. And then we started adding a little bit of length, a little bit more endurance. Um, and um, so we're now, I think we're close to 200 days since I started playing again. Um, and I would say, and, and you know, I was in the middle of this embouchure change. So it's been, I'm still going with that. So I'd say I'm not close to where I was before, um, but I have noticed some things are easier. Um, there's, there've been some real interesting uh, changes. When I play fast notes on any of the instruments, they tend to slot more. So it's, it's kind of, it's less smeary and more slotty that runs are cleaner. The fast runs feel cleaner mm -hmm. to me. My single tonguing, I think I got my bottom lip out of my mouth a little bit. My single tonguing has gone up about 25 clicks. Um, so much faster articulation wise. Upward slurs are cleaner. They lock more. Um, I do have, I have this really strange thing. I used to feel myself getting tired and I could muscle through things um, if I had to, like the end of a test piece or something. I can't do that anymore. I don't feel myself getting tired and things just stop working. I'm like, oh, I guess it's time to stop practicing because <laughs> no more sound comes out. <laughs> and then sometimes I just don't have notes above the staff yet. So I've played up to double C, which I never had before. And that note has come out. Um, but sometimes I go up to play a high C and the note just doesn't come out sometimes. So it's kind of interesting. It's kind of hilariously messy and also encouraging. Um, it made me a bit more empathetic with the pace of change that my students go through, like how quickly they can change a setting or a placement or a tongue position. Um, so that's been an interesting thing. And um, everybody's been super supportive. Um, I'm sitting, I'm back in the brass band, um, sitting on the corner uh, chair again. Um, and I have a new um, bumper up um, named, uh, her name is Paige Kerrigan. She just got married. So it's Kerrigan now, a great player, uh, originally from Alabama. And um, she's been really kind and helpful and supportive. And um, if I, if I need her to play stuff, she's totally into it. And she'll, she'll lay it down. So um, it's been really good. The brass, I must admit, playing in the brass band is the thing that's helped propel me. You know, I've got to get to this level because I have to get back to doing this thing that I love. Um, but Sal asked if I wanted to play a solo at Gettysburg, and I was like, uh, not, not really. Oh. <laughs> I'm playing that stuff in front of people. Just yeah. not ready for that. Maybe in October I'll be ready for it. I, uh, I bit my lip at lunch today, so I think oh. I'm going to take your rehabilitation program and play for the next couple of months and see if I can get back into playing shape. There you go. 
Yeah, I mean, I I'm sure I could take some pretty good cornet lessons from you, but I think the best thing I get from you is how to take a hit. Uh, yeah. What it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. This we're very supportive. We're very supportive. Yeah. Well, the guys in the my, band my... are making jokes about um, when we're teaching, we're teaching the youth brass band every Sunday online. And every week, one of them, it's Josino and, uh, and Andrew Garanzik, our soprano player, every week, one of them, at least one of them, would say something to the effect of, come on, guys, you're going to get it. You, you've done it before. You'll remember it again. It's as easy as riding a bike. <laughs> every single week. And the students are all like, oh. That's brutal. Yeah. That's yeah. brutal. Every week. I, I remember my, my freshman year of college, my, I think it was like the, the first or second weekend of me being like actually at college. And this is my, this is my horrific, you know, face injury story, not nearly as bad as yours, AW, but, uh, but you know, new music major, uh, and you know how so many of the, so many of the bathrooms in these dorms are down the hall. It's not like, it's not like in the UK when everyone gets their own bathroom. Um, and, uh, so, so I came back, um, and I didn't have my routine of how to, how to see anything when I came back from the bathroom and I stuck my foot in like the, the bucket for like, uh, you know, like the bathroom supplies bucket, you know, the shower, <laughs> everything stepped in my, my bucket tripped and fell and hit the edge of the, the metal bed. Oh, now the bed was supposed to have a little rubber stopper. It was a square bed, like the, like the, the edge of the bed was square and it was supposed to have a, a, like a rubber stopper and it didn't. So it was this, it was, it was the, oh the metal edges. Um, so, so people don't normally get this, don't normally get this close to me, but if you, but you occasionally might be able to see if the light hits me right. Sure. It looks like I have a little like French mustache <laughs> <laughs> because, because it hit, it hit like here, it hit like, like, right. If you can picture a little tiny mustache and then yeah. right there wow. uh, was where it hit. And uh, so my teeth went into my gums. Um, my, the, the metal went right in um, and wow. yeah. And, uh, it was a, it was a holiday weekend. Um, so How nothing was open. Had you had? None, <laughs> none. Uh, I was just going to pee in the middle of the night. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I went to the, to the RA and she was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was like, oh, great. Thanks. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was, I asked if like, we could go to like the urgent care or something, but everything was like closed except for the ER. And I was like, I don't know if I need the E, I don't know what's good. So, so we put ice on it. I went to bed and I called my parents the next day because I always have a resident doctor, uh, okay. because me. my dad's a doctor, um, and, and my brother-in-law's a doctor and, and everyone in the family is medical except for me. Um, except my, my mom, my mom teaches. Um, but anyway, so, um, so they, they drove down and checked it out. And my dad was like, well, I can, I can stitch it up, but you're going to be, it's going to take longer to, to heal. 
And knowing my dad, he would have just stitched, stitched up like right there. Cause that's what <laughs> he's done that to me before. He just takes out the kit. Oh yeah. This is going to hurt. No, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's my, he's my pinky. I remember he did that to me once, uh, with my pinky. Cause I made a really, I had a, I cut it really badly and he was like, you're going to be fine. And then next thing I know I'm on the kitchen floor and he's like, okay, okay. Well, well you can, you can lie down. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> but he was like, we can, we can stitch you up, but it, but it's going to take longer to heal and you're going to have thicker scar tissue. And I was like, well, I I don't want to risk thicker scar tissue and I don't want to risk a longer healing process. So, uh, I just went, went out, went without the stitches. And then after like two weeks, they, they called me in, uh, at the, the university and, and kind of said in a very gentle way, in a very gentle way, basically we are giving you a heck of a lot of scholarship money. And are you planning on playing with us? uh this semester (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh like well I guess you know like however this is gonna feel like I guess it's time to play so I just played on it and played through it and I was like twenty thousand dollars okay we're just gonna go we're just gonna (laughs) 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 we're just just gonna play on this it was fine it was it was fine eventually but those first few rehearsals were killer yeah, my oh, yeah. one of my early teachers, uh, Marty Erickson, back in the '90s, had. Do you know about about Marty? I don't. He was he was playing. He was in the Navy band uh, and in DC, and he was playing an inner service softball game, in an inner service band game on the on the white on the, the monument lawn there, which which everybody does in DC. Yeah, and he was running to first base or or something, and somebody threw a softball and hit him in his cheekbone and and shattered his face metal plate and all that he had to take months off um you know if i remember it correctly um you know he when he got the clear to go ahead and play again he didn't he just started buzzing his mouthpiece and he but he did a mouthpiece routine for months yeah and claims that when he uh when he came back to actually playing the tuba he played it better than he ever had before the accident so his you know but he had a very regimented you know re-entry routine and rehabilitation um through that and that was you know but that is like like wow can't even imagine like like wow this is your, your career right now like the, the the flashes in your head are just like oh yeah. it's over you know yeah that's so exactly that's, what i thought I, yeah. I was thinking, well, i'm either gonna have to like figure out a way to teach without playing or find something else to do i mean full tenured professor so i i, I have that security but teaching without playing was, you might have to become it. a conductor yeah <laughs> no danger of that <laughs> <laughs> or it, and you also i mean you had an out like you had the opportunity to just like go on to something else if you yeah. wanted to like take up that you know job in game design that you were interested in back in the day you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> so what's the stuff that jason solomon has been doing does he have does he, is this an organized, has he organized his materials? Because knowing him, he's super organized. I'm he's interested in a, He's amazing. He does all the research. Uh, Jason's amazing. So um, he is, uh, he has designed this program and um, the program is set up. It's called um, Stability Training. And um, you can find him on the, on his website, Jason Sullivan. And um, it's based on 
muscle strength. And so each note is assigned, uh, you're, you're assigned a time, a duration, and then a ratio of how much you play to how much you don't play for each note. And then the, um, the work is between um, like six minutes and 20 minutes. Um, and, and so you would, he would, he does a testing thing for you, like how, how strong your face actually is. And then he just graphs it um, on a, on a chart. And um, the graph has, as the notes get higher, the graph falls off, right? You can't play as long. It's, it's not as clean. It's that you don't have as much stability. Um, and then he just programs you in for the next little ratchet um, to make it, to keep you on that, not in that, he calls it the Goldilocks zone, right? So it's not too hard. It's not too easy. Keeps you right in the middle. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been fantastic. Um, and uh, a lot of, like just doing it. I'm doing it every other day now. Um, I haven't missed any days playing since, since I started playing. I'm just so thankful stuff's coming out. Um, but he, uh, he, he just, he assigns it. He works with, you, you know, you can pay him to, to do it. And um, he'll work with you every single day. So I, I send him a report on what happened and he'll send me back new numbers for the next day. Um, and it's just been fantastic. So I think he's using me a, a bit as a guinea pig, he used himself as a guinea pig, um, but he has a bunch of clients um, who've done it. And um, it's been fantastic. So it is based on long tones um, and, uh, and developing your, your embouchure and your muscle strength and stability. Um, so it's been great. Yeah, just fantastic. Um, he's Who incredibly is smart. He's used it for woodwind players, flute, um, oboe, and um, he's a bass trombonist, so he's done it for himself. Um, and then, you know, I'm doing it on, I'm now doing a rotation on B flat, cornet, and piccolo. Um, and so, you know, it's it's for anybody who's a wind player and has to use the, the face muscles to make uh, the, the fundamentals of making a sound. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't do embouchure changes, but it's meant to stabilize what you're currently dealing with. And through that, sometimes you discover a placement change that you want to you wanna do. But it's been fascinating. And you just put on his, he's got a drone app that um, does randomized metronome. And so you put that on um, and it gives you the pitch. And so you do the pitch and just stay in tune, stay in time, and you just do the chart. And I just keep meticulous notes about what's happening and how long it's been and in a practice log. Um, and I do a bunch of other stuff. So I'm playing about, I'm playing over three hours a day now. Um, and uh, it's been, you know, just incredibly helpful. I just, I feel like I couldn't have done it without him. And Bill Stillman wrote a series of etude books while I was coming back and he would send me his new etudes. Um, and then I would play them. I'd crash through them and it was just I played terribly, but it was, it was sort of a way for him to, he, to get his etudes tested, but a way for, to get me into, um, back into real music making while I was going through this, this process. So well, you were the rare opportunity for him too, because he had like a live test subject. Right. <laughs> exactly. And genuinely like that. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I feel very lucky um, in unlucky, but also very lucky. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a, it's been a fascinating process and uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm on the other end of it now. And I think by, by the fall, I should be pretty close to where I was, but yeah, I, I think it's probably the whole process is going to take at least a year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Did I hear earlier that you spent time in England doing brass Yeah. Band? Yeah. So in um, 2009, 10 academic year, I um, was lucky enough to get sabbatical at Rowan um, and I got it for brass banding. And so we went, um, 
pulled my, pulled our kids out of school here and um, put them in school in the UK. And I played with um, a local band called the Lindley Band, um, which is just uh, outside of Huddersfield in Yorkshire. And um, then back to, uh, and then I also played with the Brigas and Rastrick Band for 10 months. Um, and so I did like brass in concert with Brighouse and with Friday marches with them. And, um, and then I did other contesting um, events with, uh, with Lindley, but they were on alternate nights. So Lindley was um, Monday, Wednesday and Brighouse was Tuesday, Thursday. So I spent the first six weeks there trying to figure out how to make any noise at all on Friday morning. Um, it was pretty crazy. Um, and I took lessons with Philip McCann. Um, he was teaching at the Huddersfield University then. And, um, yes, yeah, so we were there for for ten months, the whole academic year. And uh, my wife's from Northern England originally. She's been in the states since she was six months old. But um, uh, so it, for her, it was going back home. And because she was born there, the, it turns out the girls are UK citizens, so they got UK passports when we were there. And, um, so yeah, it was it was an incredible. It was life changing for all four of us, um, and it was professionally life changing for me, um, and uh, just an amazing experience. But uh, no, they, the, the culture and the, the level of playing was just staggering. Yeah. Were you already playing with Atlantic at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So I took a year off from Atlantic. And then we changed a lot of, when I came back, of course, we changed a lot of stuff because, you know, it was part of the reason I, I did it was to sort of figure out what, what they're actually doing. And yeah. um, that first year back actually was the fir our first win as, uh, as national champions. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a fascinating that we went from last experience. last place to first. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we had some dark times. Just by getting rid of you for a year. That's pretty that's brilliant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it was great. It was uh, it was a well worth well worth the trip. And uh, yeah, we had an amazing, amazing time. Yeah. I have it. A, yeah. I have, oh, go ahead, Amy. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna change the subject a little bit, but it was it, they had they showed, he showed pictures of where they were staying and you like traded houses or something. And your place that you were staying was like part of like a church and you would like right. stained glass windows in like your living room. Yeah. It was a church that it was had so been converted cool. into a glass place and then converted into apartments. Yeah. So we had three bedrooms. So each girl had their own bedroom and there was a, like a really small bathroom attached to um, our bedroom. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a great time and we had no car, we had no television for the whole time. We had four plates, um, we had four sets of silverware, uh, we had four glasses. I mean, like we really, like everything was stripped down and um, we would rent cars um, to go places and we traveled all over the country. And um, I went to France twice and Sarah took the girls to, to Berlin um, and, uh, and we toured the whole country um, all around, visited, relatives there and uh, and made some really great friends um yeah it was it was an, an amazing trip and we rented our, our house here for um part of a semester and then one of my graduate students was uh, stayed in the house for the rest of the time so it saved him a ton of money and uh, and we just needed to have somebody in the house so, uh, and he was teaching teaching doing some teaching in school too yeah it was it was great so <laughs> well let's Let's start wrapping it up here. Uh, Aaron, you were talking about um, a new feature that we were going to incorporate into the podcast. You want to explain what we're planning on doing? Yeah, sure. Before though, so we're, we're chatting off screen audience, by the way. 
and Amy's like, yeah, you haven't talked too much this episode. There are a lot of fireworks going off in my neighborhood oh. right now <laughs> because we uh, we happened to win the Stanley Cup um, for the second time in a row. And so the yes. celebrations have not stopped. Um, and we, you know, we've got our Super Bowl. We got back to back Stanley Cups. So uh, we're doing we're doing OK here in Tampa land. Don't uh, but don't worry. Uh, my alma mater is a football team. The USF Bulls will make sure to bring everybody back into uh, mediocrity and understanding what Tampa really is, uh, Tampa sports. Um, yeah, no, so, um, hey, so uh, I just thought it would be a really fun idea to add this segment, and everybody else agreed, of doing a question of the week. So either in the comments or if you reach out to us on our social media pages, um, and you have a question for us that, and we'll just pick one but, um, from the most recent episode when we record, um, the question can either be, towards one person in particular or our guest if we have announced our guest already or it can just be a question that you think would be fun to hear um what we think about in it um just some way and uh to get the audience a little bit more involved in the show as well as give you a chance to get a shout out on the show as well so if you're watching this on youtube go ahead and leave a, a comment on the comment page with your uh, question of the week and or reach out to us on any of our socials and we'll be hopefully be able to pick yours and uh, give you a shout out and have some fun answering your question yeah sounds cool okay well thank you uh brian appleby weinberg for joining us it was really it was really awesome hearing just behind the scenes really how you how you came back from that injury um because i saw you from a distance and i knew what you were doing but holy cow it was a lot of work so thank thanks you so for uh thanks for coming on honored to be here thanks so much for having yeah me. thanks it's good to talk yeah good yeah. to talk to you great to see everyone